Welcome to The Forbes Factor, featuring celebrity TV host, million-dollar entrepreneur and renowned health and fitness superstar, Forbes Riley, a familiar face from TV, as well as one of today's most sought-after female motivational speakers today. You'll connect with some of the top experts in health and fitness, business and personal development, as well as some surprise celebrities, all sharing their insight, tips and tricks to finding true happiness. Now, here's your host, Forbes Riley. Uh, hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Forbes Factor. Every week I'm here Wednesday live, and then we're all over podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, you name it, we are there. Um, it's one of my favorite hours of the week, although I am teaching more and more. I have to tell you, there are some phenomenal things happening in my world, um, practicing what you preach. I'm still out on tour with Deepak Chopra, Les Brown, Damon John, Sharon Lecter. That's happening again on August 20th. We have about 50,000 people that say they're coming to that event. We are all over the world. It's very exciting. And for me, I actually switched what I'm talking about. So I normally talk about pitching, how you engage your communication, your level of clarity, and how you up-level your confidence. Ultimately, how I personally got to where I am and have uplifted many, many other millionaires, talk show hosts, best-selling authors, and it's excited to be coaching the most wonderful group of people on the planet. Wait, oh, wait, if you're not part of that, Hello. Uh, you want to do that? Just go to ForbesRiley.com and get started. Seriously, get started. Uh, and I'm, but I'm changing my messaging a little bit. Uh, I've been doing pitch for a very long time there. And last month, I instituted a new concept, a new training that my daughter and I are doing. For those of you who don't know, my daughter McKenna just turned 18. She's half of her twin set. She's got a twin brother. And she and I started a coaching business in the middle of the pandemic. She has now officially crossed over a million dollars from a training Hello, a million, seven figures, really? I know. And so we're talking about how we do this, how we launch courses and books and up-level people. And then she looked at how many tabs I had open on my computer and she's like, mom, what is it with you, you entrepreneurs? You have so many tabs, you have so many ideas. You know, how do you get and get shit done? I'm like, what? It's like, yeah, I have a new idea. To my mom, it's a training called Get Shit Done, GSD. And so we just launched how you get shit done fast. And if you're interested in that, go to www.gsd with Forbes. Every four weeks, we not only give you the strategy, but we complete a project. We launch, we get an ebook. This month, we're doing a four-week course. Next month, it'll be funnels and, and, and. And uh, pretty exciting. In fact, we're probably so good at this. The next thing will be get shit done. How do you make a baby in just four weeks? I'm uh-huh, just kidding. No, some things take time. All right. Well, speaking of being disruptive out of the box and getting stuff done, my guest for the entire hour is somebody that I have been tracking down and hunting since I first heard this beautiful accent last January when I joined Clubhouse. And he is so innovative, so much fun to listen to that he's got my entire hour. Please welcome the disruptive entrepreneur, Mr. Rob Moore. Thank you. <laughs> How are you doing, my baby? Where are I'm you good, thank you. So you're over in London? Yeah, just outside. All right, so I have been listening to you not moving your face because in Clubhouse we see that little dot. How long have you been on Clubhouse? Since December last year, so seven months. And how has it changed your life? Well, we've connected. That's all I need to say. <laughs> um, nope. Met amazing people like you, Forbes, and become good friends with many people um, in America and actually all over the world. I'm relatively well-known in the UK, not like a, you know, TV celebrity, but I've been grafting for 15 years, building some decent companies and writing some books. 
but Clubhouse has really helped me reach a global audience. I have um, more than a quarter of a million followers now in just those few months. It's kind of hard to get that kind of growth on other social channels. Um, so I would say collaborations and partnerships is probably the main. I mean, look, it's made a few hundred thousand extra pounds for my businesses, which obviously I'm grateful for. Um, it's really helped. I have a podcast called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. We've done about 700 episodes. I've interviewed Floyd Mayweather, billionaires, all sorts of great people. And- wait, 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 you haven't had Forbes Riley on your show yet? Really? Huh. Yeah, well, then obviously I'm saving that for the thousandth episode, the big special. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, you, you mentioned so, oh, just like, oh, I'm a little, I'm an author. You wrote 18 freaking books. You have like the, the corner on how you get stuff done fast, which is one reason I wanted to focus on you, because I think you're going to bring massive value to my audience and things that I've been meaning to ask you. You know, the, the format of Clubhouse is, you know, we'll get on, we'll talk, but to really have this kind of interaction, I'm excited that we have this talk. Which if we were, if I was in London, which I spent 40, I made 48 trips to London in six years. Wow. Uh, I was big on QVC and I was doing that from LA, long trips. But I would love this to be a little bit like we're having coffee because I want to delve into what you do a little bit and just, you have a remarkable energy about you. Have you always been this way? Well, I've always been me, Forbes. Um. No, no, no. Okay, wait, wait, before you said that's not true. See, I haven't always been this version of me. I don't think I've always been this confident this much fun. I think I was a little angry when I was younger. I think I was a little not sure of myself. And so this is a version of me. Has this always been you? When you put it like that, no. So I was the fattest kid in my year at school when I was young and I hated it. I felt very ostracized from everyone. I lost all the weight between schools. I lost three stone in um, eight or nine weeks but never really lost the need to be noticed, admired, liked, appreciated. So I suppose there's still a certain degree of that in me, though I've done a lot of personal development and a lot of therapy to love myself for who I am. But that, so I, I would say the maybe confidence or the ability to challenge yourself and be uncomfortable and to take criticism. Not, I, mean, I, I love that you just, I'm going to, I'm, I'm, I'm a disruptive entrepreneur too, but I love that you just shared that. I never, I would have never imagined you saying that. That was so beautiful. Thank you. Well, that's what I mean by I've always been me. I'm, I'm, I, I suppose you evolve as a human being or you level your skills or you learn to master your emotions. You know, if you want to be a successful entrepreneur, you have to learn to master your emotions. I've sat in a board meeting today. Could, I could list to you 30 things that have gone wrong or silly mistakes or we should have should have not happened or whatever else you know people spend our money like it's monopoly money but you know you sit in that board meeting managing your emotions and not blurting out on facebook or getting upset and angry and that's definitely something that business has taught me i'm quite an emotional person probably where i think they they say you wear your heart on your sleeve but often that's just an excuse for being um not being good at controlling your emotions so you learn skills along the way. Look, if you want to be rich and you want to be successful, there's so, you have to learn sales. You have to, I mean, you've made, you've done billions. So you have to learn sales. You have to learn marketing. You have to build a personal brand and put yourself out there. You have to learn to manage your emotions and stay calm under pressure, graceful under pressure. These are skills and they can be learned and they probably do evolve you as a human being. But maybe who you are, you know, for me, the, the, the vulnerable, needy, fat kid or... Um, 
maybe parts of that always stay with you. But that's okay because I'm soft and cuddly at home and maybe have to be a bit harder, you know, out in the real world. No, I think that, I think this is the 21st century currency. You know, I remember in the 1980s and 90s, because I'm a little bit older than you, that you had to be perfect. You didn't let anyone see your cracks because that's not how things were done. And I, last night, jumped into a clubhouse room. I've been on a little less. And someone, an old friend asked me a question. I went on for about 15 minutes. And when I stopped, it was dead silence. And I thought, oh, shit, did, I, did no one, did, like, did the phone go out? I was talking to myself. And then <laughs> someone chimed in and said, I've never heard anything like that before. And there's a vulnerability of the stories that I now share with the sole purpose that you just did it. And you did it so beautifully because I've seen you. You could be out here and you could be putting on this front. You have a lot of companies. You have a lot of books. You have a lot of expertise. And, but you had a real, real moment. And I'm going to say that that's what's resonating today with people who don't think they're enough. And I said, even when somebody said a compliment, I said, thank you after that. I said, I needed to hear that. And someone commented on that. And the truth is, my humbleness is not a joke. My humbleness comes because I was also an ugly, goofy looking kid who, even though I've gotten over most of that, I still love being loved. There's nothing. I mean, I, I left Joshua in the bedroom and I'm like, Josh, I love you. But I got to tell you, these people are pouring into me. And I think right now I'm enjoying that to no end. So why not? Why not show people that we are attainable, that success is attainable? And I've interviewed millions, not millions, that's not true. I've interviewed hundreds of millionaires and billionaires. And I've learned the most interesting, humbling thoughts because I don't think the successful ones think that they're all that. The wannabes do. The pretentious ones go, I'm, I'm better than you. No, okay, I, no, you've got more stuff. I don't think you're better than me. You're just who you are. So thank you for that. Um, you... What does this mean, double world record holder for public speaking? Where's the, what's the record holder mean? More speeches or bigger speeches? Or what did you, how did you get that? Well, I've done a lot of speeches, maybe thousands. But my world records, the first one was for the longest individual public speech marathon. So I spoke for 47 and a half hours nonstop and broke. No, wait, who does that stuff? That's crazy. Yeah, it was, um, it was an experience. I, I went in thinking, I'm a bit like you, Forbes. I, I'm not someone who thinks I'm the finished article or, you know, look at me. Wow, I, um, I'm always reflecting on how I can be better and never really give myself credit for what I've done. I'm more looking at who I can become. But I will be honest, I was a bit cocky on this world record. I thought, I've got this. I've done loads of speeches. No one can talk more than me. I, you know, I didn't get the world record for listening. I got it for talking. Um, but it was, it was the hardest thing probably I've ever done, Forbes. And um, in the middle of the night, day two, I completely lost my voice. I, I was talking, but really nothing was coming out. But I had to keep going. I had out-of-body experiences and visions because I was obviously – talking so much I was so dehydrated my throat was so sore I was um you know I had had no sleep um but that I, I, I smashed the world record I beat it by five and a half hours I just kept going after um but because of that it made it more meaningful and it made it more of an event and we raised I think in dollar equivalent it'd be 150,000 plus dollars for charity doing that as well which is you know makes it even more memorable but yeah, I mean, that was quite a few years ago now. I almost thought, I think someone broke it. And I'm almost wondering if I should come back out of retirement and break it back. Well, I'll um, tell you what, then, I'll do it with you. And I'll tell you what, I'll be the double, I'll be the female, the female version so that we don't compete against each other. But I would freaking love, that's a phenomenal challenge. And I am always up for an outrageous challenge. 
Yeah, well, there's, I think there's an online version. If you do a bit of research, I think there's an online version. So you can maybe do it as a live radio show for the whole time. That would be quite cool. Um, yeah, then the second one was we decided to do, go for the team speech marathon, which is 120-something hours. Um, and there was four of us. I mean, the, the initial world record holders for the team speech were like 100 people. It's like, that's not hard. 100 no, people right. speaking for an hour. That's clubhouse. Was, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Clubhouse rooms have gone longer. But yeah, I mean, that was nice. I did about a 48 hours. No, I did a 30 something hour stint, but that was nothing compared to the 40. All right, this is, we have to, we have to connect about that. All right. Now your prolificness about writing and how many books you've done, you know, it's funny because I think I'd asked you, uh, I am, when I did this one, this is something that just kind of came into my world, but I met this gentleman in the middle of the night who had this one habit book series. And uh, when I met him, we were just talking. I think he wanted me to do a forward in his book and he had a very low entry price for a collaborative book. And I said to him, this was just six months ago. I said, do you have a book called One Habit for Entrepreneurial Success? He said, no. I said, well, how long does it normally take to fill 100 authors? He said, like three to six months. And I very daringly said, I'll do it in 24 hours. And I went out to my network and 24 hours later, we'd all written our chapters and not a lot of money involved, which was also great. And then I filled it with another 50 celebrities of mine, like really big people, whether you know Chuck Liddell or the guy who played mm. Hercules, um, the guy who created Uggs and Pictionary, they're all in this book. It was kind of cool. And then on this marathon mission, because like, I obviously like these challenges, uh, we came up with uh, a book called One Habit for, to Thrive in a Post-COVID World. And I said, let's do it again. This time we filled it in 12 hours, but we got the book finished in 18 days. From the time we created the, the title to holding it in our hand, the next one, by the way, is I think finished called One Habit to Thrive in Clubhouse. And the next one I'm doing is How to Crush It in Crypto. And they're just one, ha- it's funny. It's a one habit per person and a one unhabit. And it's a very easy thing. I'd love to have you part of this. I think it's a brilliant concept. But you have a whole system on how you write books. And I was intrigued as all get out. Tell us what that's all about. Okay, so yeah, I've written 18 books in 12 years, I suppose. Uh, and I've written them all in a bit of a different way. So my biggest research project was money. It was a, probably a 10-year project plus. Um, and I wanted to go through the journey of getting out of debt, becoming a millionaire, decamillionaire, and beyond that before I published a book like that because I wanted to be credible. So that I, I, I researched mostly myself and wrote myself over a very long time. The original manuscript was 250,000 words. It's a beast of a book. Um, then I started um, and so I was just writing that in my day, two, three, four hours a day, every day, sometimes longer. Then I thought that's a bit of an in, intense amount of time. So then I would go on holiday for a week, clear the whole time and get it done in a week. And that was it. You hard, fast, stop, go to Barbados, somewhere nice, somewhere expensive on purpose. Because if you go somewhere expensive and you come back and you haven't you finished your book, you wasted all the money. So I'd done that a couple of times. Uh, and then as I start to create more content, like you and I put quite a lot of content out, I'll make sure I record all that content so I can take a lot of my existing content and theme that into books. Routine Equals Results was a short book. I had so many people asking me, what's your routine? What's the success habits? What does your day look like? I just ended up putting it into a book. I wrote, I basically wrote my own day and how I designed it and then put it into a book and teaching other people to do it. Cause I've got that question so many times. Um, I, only one book have I had ghost written, i.e. I've had a writer help me. And I'm not telling anyone what that is because I'd like them to try and guess to see if they can tell the difference. Because right. if they can't, it means the ghost writer's good. Yes. Um, 
yeah, and, and, and I've churned out 18 in 12 years and plan to write 50 by 50 maybe. Or um, I'm friends with Mark Victor Hansen and he's written hundreds of books. So he's kind of like in yeah, a way. Actually, bit... Brian Tracy did too. Brian Tracy has nine yes. books. The difference is Brian's are all his books. He's got 91 books. Yeah, they, those guys inspire me. I mean, look, they've got a few years ahead of me. They won't mind me saying, um, you know, I'm 20, 30 years younger than those guys, but I just admire their consistency. I admire anyone who does something for a very long time because it's hard to do something for a very long time. Look mm-hmm. at Warren Buffett. He's been doing the same thing for 75 years. Some people can't do the same thing for 75 minutes. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> right, we've got two minutes to my first commercial break. I would um, like, for number one, what's one of your, what's the book, if I want to get one of your books, aside from your day, which I think is brilliant, that you're most proud of? Money is probably the one. Uh, it's probably my best-selling book. Um, and money and Life. Publishing. Sorry? And you ended up publishing it, 250,000 words? Uh, no, the, the uh, manuscript that's published is 95,000 words. It's less. Right. Um, but Money and Life Leverage are the, so Life Leverage is about outsourcing everything you don't want to do in your life and creating a more or, systemized autonomous free life and then money is it's called no more make more give more so it's all about money they're the two probably all right well we've got 30 seconds for our first commercial break speaking of money i want to say a big thank you to my sponsors and everyone else who contributes to this show to make it happen every week uh, and don't forget that we are, are live right now but we do live as an itunes podcast feel free to review us and tell us how much you love forbes factor all right we'll be right back after this message don't go away Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. If you hate going to the gym but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Want an insider's pass to everything that goes on in Hollywood? Join Summer Helene every week for Behind the Scenes. Summer Helene is known as the Duchess of Hollywood because she knows the insiders, legends, and celebs and brings the stories, the gossip, and the backstage scoop. It's the real Hollywood, though. So this program is for adults only. Behind the Scenes can be heard live every Friday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Time on The Voice of America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencer channel. 
This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Forbes Factor. My guest is the disruptive entrepreneur, real estate mogul, book author, and just a heck of a nice guy that I've met on Clubhouse. Please welcome back Mr. Rob Moore. And the crowd goes crazy. Hey, uh, before we get into this, and I know you don't have one yet. I used to travel to London to market this. Uh, And by the way, my London infomercial was the best infomercial anywhere in the world. Uh, not London, but UK overall, because this is one of my sponsors. So this is a spin gym. You've never actually seen me do this, have you? And by the way, it looks very good with your purple chair, just saying, although it comes in every color. And it also comes in, because your wife's going to want this one. Yes, when you do really well, yes. But I will tell you what this is, is because this thing spins in the center, it actually generates between four and 24 pounds of resistance all the way through your body. It's not a resistance band. It's not a dumbbell. 60 seconds sitting at your desk, your heart rate doubles. You can't double your heart rate on a treadmill in five minutes if you run. So this is an insane concept, an insane product, part of a whole new world that I do. But very proud of Spin Gym. I took it from nothing and launched a 30 million plus company out of a, a hunk of string that I actually found in a green room in the UK two o'clock one morning while I was very unhappy. I don't know if you ever had that moment in your life, Rob, where things weren't going so well, you hit rock bottom and had to pivot? Yeah, I would say my life was when my dad had a nervous breakdown December the 15th, 2005 in, in his, um, in England, we have pubs. Uh, and it was in, in his pub for, in front of all of his customers. He got beaten up by the police section, tied up. And that was in front of us all. And that was the worst day of my life, probably, because my dad's my hero. He, he's who I wanted to be. He's the entrepreneur that probably gave me the entrepreneurial flair and fire. And at nearly 26 years old, I was working in his pub, earning not much money, complacent, cocky, arrogant, chip on my shoulder, uncoachable, hated the world, felt like everything was going against me and I had terrible luck. And I was just so down on myself and it manifested out as this unapproachable, cocky idiot. Um, I didn't like myself. And then when that happened, I probably spent at least a week just beating myself up, blaming myself. My dad had put me through school, university, bought my first car, bought my first house. And this is how I repaid him. And I, I felt really low what about was, it. What was, his, what was his tipping point that broke him? What was going on? I th- he had a really hard upbringing and he never, he suppressed all that emotions. His mum died when he was two. We was two. His dad was really strict, died when he was 18. Family life was hard. Um, And I just think he worked so hard. He would work from sort of six in the morning until two at night. And he would have four hours sleep and then he'd have a little afternoon nap in between shifts. And I think that and the stress of the pub trade started to die out. A few things happened. One was you could get off licenses and supermarkets would start selling alcohol and that hurt the pub trade. Um, And... Then um, the smoking ban really hurt pub oh, trade. God, yeah, wow. Because no, you know, no one could smoke in social places anymore. And there was things that happened, and my dad never really recovered from them. 
he didn't really, you know, you used the word pivot, Forbes, but my dad didn't know anything different. Um, but at the same time, Forbes, that was the start of the rest of my life. And um, I'd got myself into quite a lot of debt, about 50,000 pounds. But within a year, I got rid of that. I made my first hundred grand. Then I made... I wait, 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 don't wait, don't wait. Don't gloss over that, that moment here. So you've gone from this uncoachable, angry guy. Your dad has this moment. And what did you do to allow yourself to make that happen? That success? Um, well, I, I, at some point, I stopped beating myself and self up and went, I actually have to do something now. Like, I have to make a decision. And it was scary, Forbes, because I had no idea what. I had no idea how. But I just knew that if I didn't make a change, my dad, my life, I just had an awakening, a, a, like a vision of how my future would be in 10 or 20 years. All right. So the and first then all of a sudden, at that moment, at that moment, this is really interesting. You said you were 50,000 in debt and you made 100,000 at that moment. Go ahead. So it's funny how things are always there. Like if you believe in the in the void, in the universe, in manifestation, whatever you believe, everything is always there. And you either see it or you don't. I wrote a book on this called Opportunity. Opportunity is always oh, there. Yes, I love this. Always there. Unmanifest, but it's there. I mean, you, you know, I spoke after Deepak Chopra at the same event you're talking about, Forbes, you know, these big events. It's all there. So I'll give you some examples. My gallery owner, who was selling some of my art part-time, was also into real estate. And he'd been trying to get me to go to a real estate meeting for two years. Because I was cocky, complacent, uncoachable, you know, why do I want to go to a real estate and look at all those rich gits, you know, in their suits, you know, the, the yuppies, I hate yuppies, you know, uh, I like Rage Against the Machine, you know, like, I don't know if we can swear here, but you know, the Rage Against the Machine song, well, that was me. Um, but then when, you know, after two years of Mike, this guy who owns a gallery, saying you should go to this real estate networking event go meet some real estate investors open your mind up to so now that i'm the looking all of a sudden these things appear so right. appearance number one real, real estate networking event but it had always been there appearance number two um my flatmate was moving out i, I couldn't afford to my my entire mortgage when i was skint so uh, broke skint is an english word so i had a, a tiny two-bed house but i had to rent out one room and this was all at the same time. And he was clearing the, C the CDs and all the stuff from under his bed. And he, and he gave me this box of CDs. He said, Rob, you can have them. And I, I like all types of music. And I like the guitar, singer, songwriter players, you know, Jack Johnson, all that. And I thought, this would be great while I'm doing my art. And I put it on. And um, it's this loud American voice that's talking. And I'm thinking, well, when, when does the singing start? And it's Tony <laughs> Robbins. And so I got this set of Tony Robbins CDs. Now, they'd been in my house for three years under my flatmate's bed. He'd never told me about them. And then all of a sudden, in this week of awakening and opportunity seeking through desperation, get into Tony Robbins and personal development. And of course, you know, that's made me tens of millions of pounds now. That is, I should be paying Tony Robbins a lot of money, a lot of commission. Um, so there's the going to the real estate, getting into... Um, personal development. Of course, when you get into one personal development book or audio albums, everything you read, Think and Grow Rich. You read um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. You read all those, you know, seminal books. In the same week when I went to that networking event for the first time, 
this real estate networking event. I met my business partner there. First time. Did He seemed quite grumpy. He wasn't very approachable. We just had a chat. Two months later, he'd blagged me a job in a real estate business. Um, about nine months later, I'd cleared all my debt through selling real estate. Um, and we bought 20 properties together on the side. So in one year, I cleared all my debt and made about 100 grand net selling real estate to investors. Never done it before. And we bought 20 properties together ourselves on the side. Um, and that was, that was all in that year because everything was there. I just, I just was too ignorant, too in living in my own pain. I always think pain is really selfish. I, I, I've had a few things that have happened in my life. We probably won't talk about them today, but I think human beings are the most selfish when they're hurting and they're the most selfless when they're not. So you know the saying, hurt people, hurt people. But also, happy people make other people happy. So in order to live a full life and to make others happy and to not be selfish and to be selfless, you have to cure your own hurt and pain and be happy inside. And this is what personal development did for me. Um, yeah, so that's the, the, that's the short answer. I, I, I blagged a job in a real estate deal, deal brokering company from a guy I met at a property networking event because he saw something in me. What he saw in me was desperation manifested into energy and enthusiasm. I obviously managed to like, hide the fact that I was desperate and skin and my dad was you know, in the mental institution of the hospital and all of that. And I managed to show him enthusiasm and passion and hunger and a desire to learn. And do you know what? People forget about those resources. Everyone says you need money to make money. No, you don't. You do not need money to make money. You need creativity, hunger, resourcefulness, desire, enthusiasm, passion, energy, a mission. You don't need money to make money because I didn't have any. I'm not the only one in the room loving you right now. Heather <laughs> says yes. Maggie's like when the teacher arrives, the student with the student is ready when the teacher arrives. You know how that goes. Somebody's reading opportunity right now as they're saying Betty's like his energy is great and a bad boy went rich all because of the power of attraction. Rob, you are brilliant and why I love you. Betty's like hungry and I'm like oh my god. Um, I if I had more hair on my face, we'd be twins. I'm so excited. <laughs> No, I mean, I'm so excited by what you're saying and how you're saying it and that the vision of opportunity is always there. Finding Tony Robbins under your bed, unbelievable. You know, it's funny. I have a book, a little journal here that I talk about. I manifested my son apparently 27 years before I met him. Uh, I drew this picture uh, in, a, in a journal one day and then 27 years later, my son walks in wearing that outfit. And when you look at the little boy in his V-neck shirt with a hat on in 1987, it was like how did you bend time? And in this book, I think I'd also found Tony Robbins and I wrote down all the things I wanted. I have everything I, in the book, some of the weirdest things, including to go on a safari, to own a house with a jacuzzi, to home, blah, 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 water ski boat. I have all of these things. Even in here, I wrote, I wanted an exercise equipment. I would say not for another 10 years that I even understand that there was exercise equipment, but a magical little manifesting book. To, and I've always had to create my opportunities, but just like you, when you finally see them, you're like, oh, this is genius. Now, got to backtrack one second. Art. What kind of art? Um, so very modern art. I'd paint with stamps, jelly babies, steel, anything I could get my hands on. Um, I, I'm a bit of a closet creative. I think being an entrepreneur actually can be a very creative endeavor. People often ask me, do you still do your, your art? Because 
I actually didn't do bad at art for about three years as a profession. The problem is my debts were too big, so I just couldn't. I, I did. If I didn't have all the debt, I'd have done all right as an artist, I think. Um, so, yeah, creative, modern, anything different. I'd, I'd try I I my hand at well, you can't see this on my podcast, but you can see it on my Facebook. This is one of my students, and I'm enamored with All Get Out. That's actually her inside of her art. But I'm not the best when it comes to connecting people, and I'm thinking that maybe there's a reason I'm hearing this. But her art is huge. She was actually part of a doomsday cult down in New Zealand. And so it's very, very edgy and very provocative. And if that is at all anything that over in London, you're like, you know, some of this art should be there. I know the kind of people who might enjoy this. They're huge. Uh, what we're looking at here is if you go to my friend Anita Navar, N-E-V-A-R, I am enamored. She's actually doing a custom piece of me and my fiance, six feet high, each of us, three feet wide, because he's a fitness model and I have this insanely provocative photo of me in a leopard low-cut dress. But if that's at all going, you know, because she needs to be out there. And I think she is the female version of Annie Warhol and she has a killer story about how she evolved to who she is. So if that intrigues you at all, I will send you information on her. I'm a big connector. Yes. (laughs) Um, I love the idea. I'm also that you have this artistic bent, but this beautiful attitude. So let me ask you a question. I often ask my guests, what is your first memory in life? Oh, my life. My first memory in life is being in my cot and seeing a massive crack in the ceiling that I was scared that um, ghosts or monsters would come out of them. So let me ask you this question, and this is a my part therapist of- has, has given me a lot of chat about that, by the way. <laughs> also, what, so let me ask you, what decision did you make about life based on all that you just said? Well, I've never shared this with anyone publicly, Forbes, but I was scared of the dark until probably only about five years ago, and I'm 42 now, so that's a bit embarrassing, but I think it might have come from there. So my therapist thinks that um, I was left alone a lot when I was young. Um, and because we, we lived in pubs. So my mum and dad would have to leave me up in the pub and go and work in the pub downstairs. We'd live up above the pub and go and work downstairs. I just want to say while I say this, I love my parents. I don't think they've done anything wrong. So, you know, that's no, important. No, it's got nothing to, to do with that. But I'm actually going to interrupt you for a second. Hang on a second, because I'm going I'm to sure, poke holes in you. Sure. I don't like therapists, actually. I fix people faster than that. My question, though, is, what decision did you make about life based on this scary, the, whatever it is that you saw? What dis- and I know you go, a decision. Imagine you made a decision about life. What was it? I don't know. I can't no, 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 you're not allowed to say it. You can't say, you can't say I don't know in my world. I don't know closes every door of possibility. Just as a dear friend of mine, pretend that you might know. Make it up. Okay, I can make it up doesn't mean it's right but i can make it up okay so what decision did i make about life probably that i want to break free all i can think is that i wanted to get out of that stop yeah yes i just love it right there i want to break free now if i looked at you and everything that you've ever done based on that you you marched to your own drummer you've solved problems <laughs> you have the word. So I would say that that's part of your hard drive. I want to break free. That actually yeah. is. Yeah. Maybe hello. I should have that on the T-shirt. <laughs> yes, uh, because that is what you do. 
Yeah, I'd have to think about this. Yeah, you've definitely got my cogs turning. There's definite. De I'm a rebel, definitely. I like doing the opposite of what people want me to do. When things are really hard, I like proving myself. I kind of rise to the occasion when things are difficult. My art was always very different. Even the way I, I in my bis in my space, the way I dress is not normal. Um, and I like that. I was going to ask you, wait, about the jacket. I've only got two minutes. Can you back up a little bit? What is with this jacket I'm looking at? What so, is this um, one side? Go ahead. Yeah, so the designer is Alexander McQueen. I love his stuff. I buy nearly oh, all of his stuff. Goodness. Yeah, and, and he was very disruptive, and his story is one of the most fascinating stories ever, which his story inspired me so much, and I, I wear a lot of Ale I wear a lot of Louboutin and Alexander McQueen, and in my world, that's quite unique because people don't. They wear suits and ties, or or jeans and plain blazers and shirts. And so, for those of you who cannot see this as it's a radio show, I'm a huge Alexander McQueen, who unfortunately was so artistic and so creative and out there. He committed, I think, he committed suicide, which is a very sad. I don't know the reasons why, and I'm very sad about that. But disruptive female clothing, I didn't realize he did men's. And so Rob's jacket is on one side is a typical, it's like a black jacket with a, 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 a linen type thing. And then on the other side is like this strap. It just looks asymmetrical and fun. And I'm also wearing an asymmetrical concept on my outfit because I think, you know, like I said, if I had more hair on my face, we could be twins. <laughs> All right, you guys. Um, <laughs> that and I'm just loving. I, I love everything about what you're saying. It's just so igniting my soul. But I like that I got your cogs turning. Not something we would ever say in America, but certainly you've got my cogs <laughs> turning. <laughs> All right, you guys, we're, uh, this is our second break. Off to our sponsors. We'll be back right after this. We've got a large audience listening on Facebook. You can always find me on Facebook at Forbes Riley's Inner Circle. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back with more Forbes Factor right after this. We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. If you hate going to the gym, but want to shed that extra weight, finally get a flat stomach and tight toned arms, we have the most unique solution. And get this, it's fun and takes less than five minutes, two times a day. Developed by Fitness Hall of Fame inductee and TV health expert, Forbes Riley. The Spin Gym is the most compact, low-impact, resistance exercise ever developed. This simple handheld device provides the most unique fat-burning, metabolic-boosting workout suitable for all fitness levels. You've seen it on TV and in print with more than 2 million sold. What are you waiting for? Get your Forbes Riley Spin Gym at buyspingym.com. Order now and discover how easy and fun it can be to get in the very best shape of your life in just five minutes. Guaranteed. There's never been another product like the Forbes Riley Spin Gym. So try it risk-free for 30 days. Visit buyspingym.com today. Do you feel you have a bigger life's purpose than you're currently living? Of course you do. Activate your passion as you tune in to Sovereign Self with host Zofia Renea Morales. Become the conscious creator of your own life. Connect with your most powerful and purposeful self in order to make big things happen for you now. Zofia and her guests are doing this every day and are sharing how you can step into this power too. Listen to Sovereign Self every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Influencers Channel. 
Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to The Forbes Factor. To call in with a question or comment, please call 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Forbes at ForbesRiley.com. Now back to the show. Here's Forbes Riley. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to The Forbes Factor. I'm with an amazing guest. I'm probably having more fun than I've had in a long time. Please welcome back Mr. Rob Moore, the disruptive entrepreneur, massive book writer, property owner, and artist. Hello, is there anything you don't do? That's people say to me all the time. I'm like, yeah, Windows. What don't you do? <laughs> yeah, I don't do Windows. <laughs> yeah, no. Do you cook? No. No, I burnt soup once. It was quite convenient. I burnt soup and wifey was like, I'm not letting him cook again. And that was quite a good move on my part. Oh, mine was that I'm on the phone while the eggs are boiling in the water and they explode when the water runs out all over the room. Like, please do not let her cook. And one of my horrible stories is I actually had, uh, I came home from a tour. I was living in a, a flat kind of apartment in New York City and I put the chicken, I don't smell very well. I've had my nose broken a few times put the frozen chicken breast into the oven, you know, the broiler, went to watch, uh, it was the Academy Award night, called my parents, blah, 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 come back a half hour late, still frozen. Oh, I turned on the pilot, but I forgot to light it. So I take a match and went boom and blew myself oh. up the apartment. No, not good story. Uh, blew myself across the room, lost my hair, all the skin on my hands. Luckily, I, I wasn't blinded. Um, and one of my stories out of that experience was how I recovered from all of that, which was horrific. And then just as I was recovering, still sore and had other issues, I got offered the lead in a movie. And I remember going oh, wow. to the audition and it changed. It's funny how those moments change everything. But my agent called and I'd spent two weeks sitting on, a, on my bed, reading a book and feeling very sorry for myself. And she called and said, hey, I've got this, this is a great role for you. And I'm like, and as somebody in my teaching said, always show up, always show up. And I'm like, I don't have any hair. I don't have any eyebrows. And my, my skin look. And I went and for the first time in my life, got my makeup really done, bought false eyelashes, got my, cut my hair all off. And I wore clothing in my mind to distract from my face. My face had always been what I focused on, not my body, because it was never as perfect as I wanted it to be. And I wore this certain kind of a skirt and heels. And, and I looked very put together, different than I'd ever looked before. I walked in and shook the director's hand. And the back of my hand was missing. It was all gone. And he grabbed my hand to shake it. I'm like, I'm now in more pain than I've ever been in my life. Use that. Don't say anything. Put that into the audition and landed the lead in a very big movie. Wow. I know, right? Good stories. And so, well, I loved hearing your pivot about your dad because for all my listeners who look at any successful person, it's easy to look at them and go, oh, easy for them. And I think what Clubhouse has done, what podcasts, what these conversations do that normally I only had with, in private with my friends, I would never share these. These are horrible stories on some level, right? But no, they're pivoting stories that show that life isn't actually what happens to you. It's what happens for you. You took a horrible moment and turned it around. That's why when I hear people say, oh, COVID, I had to pivot. If COVID's the first time you pivoted, you haven't lived a life. 
We pivot all the time around here. And you get good at pivoting. And you don't want it to be horrific, like losing my parents or the uh, boy that I raised for 12 years who was murdered. Those are crappy pivot moments. But little pivots to keep adapting and growing. And I do believe as an entrepreneur and as a human, you either grow or die. There's only two directions. So having said all that, uh, I am looking at your podcast. Tell me about your podcast. So it's called The Disruptive Entrepreneur. We're nearly 700 episodes in. I do maybe one in every three episodes would be an interview with an amazing entrepreneur, billionaires. I think I've interviewed 15 billionaires now. Um, Some very successful people. It might be people like um, Floyd Mayweather or coming soon, Forbes Riley. (laughs) Um, Future pacing. Yeah. And then I do my own solo episodes on starting and scaling a business and getting better financial education. Yeah, you know, I used to, it's funny, my daughter created a business, you'll love this story, she was about 15 years old, uh, Facebook Live had just come out, and we're driving, and the car phone's mounted to my car, and uh, she said, you know, my mom talks a lot, I've done very well, if you want her to rant, she'll call, you get on a one-on-one call, I want to sell my mom's Forbes Riley's rant calls, now, that did not exist, except in the car, there was no rant calls, and she said, it's a thousand dollars a piece, who wants it, and I'm not really noticing the phone because I don't know what live is just yet. And I'm driving, focusing on the road. She's in the back seat, and I'm hearing ping. I'm in ping. I'm in ping. I'm like, what's going on? She's like, mom, I think we just made $4,000. I'm like doing what? She's like, you're going to rant on calls with people. I'm like, I am. And then she said, and this was weird. I said, McKenna, she's like, mom, how much would you charge for a whole year of that? I'm like, I don't know what we're talking about right now. I'm driving. And then she said, well, who who wants my mom for an entire year? We'll do one a month. How about $12,000. And Cindy Cork from Alaska said yes. And I pulled over the car and I said, what, what did we just agree to? Oh, now, wait, caveat. Do you have kids? Yeah, two. How old? Nearly seven and ten. Okay, well, the, she, you mentor with her. Because right before that conversation, I do remember her saying, hey, mom, if I pitched your stuff, could I get 50% of it? And I was like, sure. Now it is $16,000. And I'm like, I'm giving you, she's like, mom, I, you agreed to 50%. Don't back out now. <laughs> and within minutes, that's what she did. So a little disruptive entrepreneur. Yes. Yeah. How are your kids being raised? Are they being disruptive like you? Are they entrepreneurs? Are they are we even aware of what dad does? Yeah, more and more they're getting aware. And I'm trying to bring them involved. So we took them around the big 100 unit development that we're doing. And they love that. My son's a really good golfer. He played in the world championships aged five and six. Um, He's had eight hole-in-ones. He's now 10. So, you know, he's got a good chance of making a good career as a golfer. Um, I think before I had kids, Forbes, I I had the the fantasy, the the naive delusion. I'm going to raise kids. I'm going to raise them to be just like this. You know, they're going to be strong and successful and they're going to have a great mindset. And then they're born and they challenge you in every way possible. I remember talking to John Demartini just before I was having my kids. And he said, you'll learn as much about, you'll learn as much from your kids as you teach your kids. And because you don't necessarily think about that, but you do. Um, So I'm probably not hell bent on them being entrepreneurs. I'm hell bent on them self-actualizing as an individual. And I probably wouldn't have said this 10 years ago, I'd have said, Bobby's going to be a golfer. Ariana's going to be a CEO of a massive company that she's going to start. And it's going to be a billion dollar app or something. 
But, you know, they've, they've both got their own personalities and they're very different, which I think is part of the family dynamic structure. So Bobby's quite risk averse, careful, considered. And then Ariana's free and funny and cheeky. Um, but I, I'd, they don't really listen to you, kids. They watch what you do. Oh, yeah. that's the biggest lesson you'll learn. Yes, you cannot exactly. teach that lesson. So, <laughs> you know, you can have all the ideals in the world and tell them 900 times they're not going to listen. Um, unless you swear. And then they listen. <laughs> um, one mistake. And, you know, that you never live it down. So I'm trying to show them more than tell them. I just want to get them involved. Like my son's really interested in business. He's like, who are you going to fire today, daddy? How many people are you going to, he seems to be quite liking wow. that. How many are you going to fire? I'm like, it's not like that, son. But um, yeah. And, and of course, both of my kids are interested in social media because all kids are. So I'm not as big as Mr. Beast who he watches, but he is quite impressed with my social media following. So um, yeah, I just want them to, they're different. I want them to self-actualize and be exposed to having a good, strong mindset, a good ethic. I mean, my wife is all about raising them with good values and being good, kind people. And I think that's really important. And she's good at that. I'm not saying I wouldn't raise them to be kind and good values, but I'd focus more on the hustle and entrepreneurship and being a bit cheeky. And my wife's like, no, no, you have to be very straight and good values. And um, so hopefully that'll make a good mix. There is an interesting dynamic to raising kids with a partner because I had a very clear vision of what I wanted and apparently they were different and rightfully so. They got different values, uh, which has been great. But I remember in the beginning, I was a dancer and an actress. And I just wanted my kids in dance class and I put them in dance class when they were like seven or eight and I'm like, they're Oh my God, they're like terrible. I know, and that's funny looking at it now. My daughter's this rock star entrepreneur and my son is a straight A student and is going to go off and do what he does. But it's funny that you want them to do something. And I guess the only advice that I would definitely say is that they watch it. They watch you. So the things that you and your wife actually do, the way you love on each other, the way you talk to each other, you can't tell them certain things. They just absorb this. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do remember at an early age, I was upset. I was in China with my kids at the Great Wall. I'm exactly where we were. And somebody said some word that I'd never heard a child say before. I'm like, you know that? And my son's like, I know lots of words. I'm like, you do? He's like, I'm not telling you. I said, I'll tell you what. I'll give you $5 for every bad word you can name. Okay. And then he went off on it. And then he started naming them like, you know what a butt word is? Like, how, I mean, I'm being nice on television here. But it was like, and then my, my daughter was like, I know this one. I'm like, I'm like What? All right, $10 per word. They made like $250. That's how many <laughs> bad words they knew at like six and eight years old. <laughs> but I love teaching them. In fact, I'm in Mark Victor Hansen and Jack Canfield's book, Chicken Soup for the Soul for Busy Working Moms. I did this 15 years ago, and it was an article or story about how to raise your kids like dogs. Now, they changed how to raise your babies like puppies because it was not that. It's that kids actually are trainable to a certain degree. And as a hypnotist and a study of the brain here, over, I use my, they're twins. I experimented on them. You know, if you want something, that's when a dog is like ready to give you his paw and he's willing to learn something with a treat. And I would do that. Every time the kid said, I want, I would say, great. If you want this, touch your nose. And they both would. If you want this, count to 10. And they both would. I ended that little 10 command sequence by saying, if you want this, give each other a hug. If you want this, give each other a kiss and say, I love you. And if you want this, say, I love you, mommy. Well, funny thing later, fast forward 15 years later. And 
I'm on the phone with my daughter one day and I hung up and she called me back. She's like, seriously, mom? I'm like, what? She's like, you didn't say I love you. You know, when she got that, that was implanted in her head a long time ago. Mm. And I planted in a couple of things that have served the family really well. And I don't think I realized it, but I would love to do this little parenting book because last year she's sitting with her girlfriends and she said, mom, what color hats do the guys inside of us wear? And I'm like, are you kidding me? That's a 12-year-old story that I told both of them that when you get a cut, when you're a kid, it heals really fast. And I said, you know, that's like little Bob the Builders inside of you. They wear little yellow hats and they have a cup for water. And it's the only thing that they have can put in that cup is water. And when you go to sleep at night, they all wake up and they go to work and they stitch you up and they move out your poop and they put, make your hair grow. And then when you wake up, they go back to sleep. One more thing, if you eat a lot of sugar, they don't ever wake up and then you get all this extra fat because they're not busy doing their job. So crazy thing. My daughter at one point says, mom, see that lady over there? I think her guys are all sleeping. That was not nice. And then the second thing is my daughter only drinks water. No pop, no soda, no coffee. And, and I said, is that possible? And when she said to me, mom, I remember what color hats are they wearing? That that somehow got into her psyche. That's the only thing that she can drink for her whole body to work right. Hello. So I would love to somehow teach some of that. To, I know, I know. I also had a mom say once, you're a terrible parent. I'm like, excuse me? Yeah, you bring your kids to, to birthday parties. You don't let them eat candy and cake. I'm thinking, no, I let them do whatever they want. I have a very clear system about that. And my daughter's standing outside. All these kids around her, they did open a pinata. And she's like, I don't want the candy. I don't want the candy. And I said, McKenna, come here for a sec. Did I tell you that you can't eat candy and cake? She's like, no, mom, I can eat whatever I want. I just don't want it. So I blamed you. <laughs> <laughs> so little teeny life lessons uh, I think that we are how much I don't know how much time do we have left before my show is over I think it could be two minutes to close will you give me some closing words to my audience yeah uh, I believe that if you don't risk anything you risk everything so to live a full life is to take risks and be uncomfortable and fail sometimes but always learn and keep reaching and finding new experiences and new levels of determination and resilience that you can um, find from within yourself. And the next thing would be to truly be who you want to be and who you are is to have the courage to be disliked. So if you want to be authentic and you want to be loved for who you are and you want to you know, turn your passion into your profession and live a, um, a full life, it is to be yourself and accept that you'll be loved and loathed equally. You will have critics and haters as well as followers and fans and never change who you are just because you want someone to like you. Have the courage to be disliked in the pursuit of your dreams. I adore you. We're out of time, you guys. This has been the Forbes Factor with the one and only Mr. Rob Moore. You can find him at robmoore.com, yes? And yep. on his podcast, Disruptive Entrepreneur, and almost every yep. day on Clubhouse. Uh, what is yep. the big Clubhouse room that you, you populate? Where are you on Clubhouse? Um, we've got the UK Mod Squad, myself, John Lee, Ed Smith, Daniel Priestley. We're all there most days. <laughs> I think you guys are awesome. You guys, we are out for now. Thank this you. is the Forbes Factor. See you guys next week. Bye, everybody. Thank you for making the Forbes Factor an important part of your week. Be sure to join Forbes Riley again next Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. We'll see you again soon.